tonight, uh, for the, the next several times that I'll be sharing the message, I'm uh, going to be in a series on faith, hope, and love. So uh, that's, that's uh, uh, hopefully an encouraging uh, you, you know, thought that, that we'll be looking at those, those subjects over the next couple of weeks. Uh, if we take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 13, uh, now we've been talking about love, that's the love chapter, probably many of us are familiar with that. And it says, three things will last forever. Three things will last forever. So that ought to perk our attention. Faith Hope and love. And the greatest of these is love. So, uh, amen. Amen. So we're going to start tonight. We're going to be looking at faith and specifically, uh, we're going to be talking about some ingredients to faith. Uh, and then we'll be working it through as we look at hope and love as well. So when, when we hear, you know, something like this, that, that, you know, God lets us know in his word that there are some things that are going to last forever. You know, those ought to be areas that we live with great intentionality. Areas that we put very much uh, a purposeful focus that we are engaging those things, that we're developing those things, and that we're growing those things in our lives. Uh, things to invest very heavily in. And so as we look here tonight at faith, I want to just start by, by just having us think on, on this, this idea that faith is the antidote to fear. Fear is all over the place in our world. I think as time goes by, there will be more and more opportunity for folks to engage in fear. And yet we, we ought to recognize here tonight the antidote to fear is faith. So what's an antidote? It, it's a remedy to counteract the effects of a poison. It's something that relieves, prevents, or counteracts. So faith is going to be the antidote. It's going to be that which uh, counteracts, relieves, prevents the toxic venom that is fear. And fear is a poison that the enemy uses to take us out, to kill our faith, to make us ineffective. And so uh, the, the context of this series that I'll be working through on these Wednesdays, you know, the context is as Pastor James, you know, led us singing before, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. At the end of the day, it really doesn't matter what's going on in the world all around us. And, you know, I am just constantly reminded the Lord makes very, very clear what things are going to look like in these last days. And they're, they're not fun. They're not, uh, they're, they're, they're not easy. You know, but the Lord lets us know those things, not so that we get rattled and shaken up, but he lets us know those things in the context where he says, but we can be of good cheer. You know, cheer is great, but he says, not just cheer, good cheer, be of good cheer. For I have overcome the world. And, 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 and so he's telling us we have this, this remedy to fear and it's faith. If we look at second Timothy chapter one and verse seven says, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity but one of power and love. And uh, again, we've, we've talked about this before, right? That in the New Testament, that our New Testament is written in Greek and there are different words in Greek for love. Some talk about a brotherly kind of love. Some talk about the, the marital intimate love. And then there's, there's a, a love that talks about the God kind of love. That, that word is uh, uh, agape or agape whether tomato, tomato, whichever way you want to pronounce that. Uh, but it, this, you know, where it says we've been given a spirit of power and love, power and the God kind of love and self-discipline. 
you know, and, and other translations that will talk about soundness of mind, and, and they relate to each other. So, so we need to constantly be reminded fear doesn't come from God. Amen. He gives us power, love, and soundness of mind. Right? So where the enemy feeds on fear, you know, to paralyze us, if we can keep in the right place, a place of faith, then, then we're going to make fear of no effect in our lives. My mom, God bless her, uh, I, got a, I got a bit of a frantic call from her on, um, on Sunday evening. Uh, there's a situation that had gone on um, in her house where, you know, she had dropped her cell phone and she did a really good job of putting it back together, but it just wasn't quite right and working, you know. And then uh, she actually has one of those um, life alert things. How many know what the life alert is? So she presses a button, I mean, and, you know, people descend from helicopters and people come in from all over and just makes me feel real good that anytime she's alone, she's covered. And so uh, with, with her phone not working, and she has a home line, but with her phone not working, it just began to mess with that, uh-oh, I've, I've lost some communication here. And then when she looked over at the, there, that life alert box that's on her counter, uh, she noticed something that she never noticed before. But here's what I'm getting at. She saw it through the eyes of panic, she saw the word cancel, which was, it was a cancel button to cancel a call if she dialed by accident. She thought something, when we see through the eyes of panic, she thought, now that's not working too. So she called me up and she's like, I'm in trouble here. I have like no, no, uh, you know, uh, interaction with the outside. If I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble. You need to come over. And when I got over there, you know, I got her phone turned on and I said, mom, that button's always been there. She goes, no, it's not. I said, don't worry. You're just seeing through panic eyes. Right? And, uh, and I can share that because um, I've done life and I've seen life through panic eyes as well. You know? Um, so th there can be all kinds of situations where we look at. My whole point here is that, man, fear, when it gets the upper hand, we don't see straight. We don't think straight. We could look at something we've always seen and now we just, it, it, just, it just looks different. And it looks different, energized in, in a negative uh, direction from the enemy. So uh, notice in this verse, we've not been given a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and love and sound mind. These are the ingredients I want to talk about here today. These really are ingredients of faith. If faith and fear occupy the same place in our life, we get a neat little insight here where God says, you've not been given the spirit of fear. You've been given the opposite of that. And it's power, love, and sound mind. And hey, would you agree with me? We need all three. We need all three of those as we move through. But praise God, he's given us all three. So uh, we're going to feed our faith a little bit tonight. Uh, if anybody has been battling in the arena of fear, if the enemy has been trying to bring intimidation, you know, these are things that we can look at, stir our hearts up, and see through eyes of faith, not of fear. So, so let's look at these three ingredients that we see here in Timothy. First one, we've not been given a spirit of fear, but of power. So that word power in the Greek is dunamis. And, and, and uh, we do get the word dynamite, but it doesn't necessarily mean explosion, kaboom. It just means tremendous power. It means, you know, like, like mountain shifting, earth shifting power. God has given us a spirit of power. The greater one lives on the inside of us. Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. There is fear in the world, 
but God has given us a spirit of dunamis, of miracle working power. That's actually, if we want to put dunamis into the English, it's not just power, it's miracle working power. That's the spirit that God has placed on the inside of us. So it's the ability and the, the capacity to perform courageously. So God tells us to be courageous, but he says, hey, and by the way, I'll give you the strength and the power to do it. You'll do that in my spirit, right? We read in the Old Testament, not by my might, not by my power, uh, but it's by God's spirit, right? Not by might, not by pure power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. So when we look at power, Psalm 46 verse one says, God is our refuge and our strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So that's, that's Old Testament, that's Hebrew, but that's talking about the same context of what we see in the New Testament. That's the same type of power as this dunamis power. God is our refuge and our dunamis, always ready to help in times of trouble. Romans eight eleven, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Come on, I'll take some of that right now. I was up at 5 a.m. this morning, 5.02, I think it was. I need a little bit of that, you know, that life of God working here as, uh, you know, as the hours go on, right? But by the same spirit living within you. We could look at Acts chapter one, verse eight, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so, so the first thing we wanna just make sure that our hearts are stirred up with tonight is that God's power lives within us. You might be saying, well, I, I don't know that I feel that. I don't know that I'm walking in that. How do I, how do I kind of get that working in my life? We, we, we praise it, we confess it, we declare it, we worship it, we, we believe it, right? We get it on the radar so that that is the greater picture that we see than, than anything that the enemy has either said or that, that we see with our natural eyes that would try to um, show us fear, did that make sense? We want to so see the truth that the greater one, God's power, is in us that it eclipses whatever the enemy is doing around us. So, and here's the thing, in these verses that we just read here, right, in Acts 1.8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So it's, it, we, we, we don't do it. It's God that does it. It's God that gives the power. But notice the power is then worked in cooperation. We have something that we have to do. You know, we're to go be his witnesses in uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So his power is in us. We are still part of the process. It's, it's God that does the doing, but we have to walk it out. We have to live it out. We have to speak it out. We have to believe it out. I don't think I've ever used that terminology before. We've got to believe it out. But, but the word says faith without corresponding action. Is, is, is void of power, right? So we literally, the greater one is in me. How does that become manifest? How does that get moved from potential to actually working out in my life? Well, it's worked out by faith, by believing, by trusting. Can you say amen? All right, so God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Let's move now to the second ingredient, love. The God kind of love, agape. And you, you know, a, a revelation of God's love will empower our faith and it will quench our fear. 
I, I want to I let that set in for a minute. Not, not, not a mental ascent of God's love, but a, a revelation of God's love. Come on, what's the last thing that you've been fearful over? And then to stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Devil, wait a minute. Mind, wait a minute. Imagination, wait a minute. Shut up in Jesus' name. God loves me. He loves me. I know I'm like kind of slowly plodding through this here. God loves me. And because he loves me, I don't need to be afraid. Right? I don't, I don't need to fear. So it will be a revelation of the love of God empowers our faith. Come on, you know, I can remember times, you know, doing, doing that, that silly, you know, leadership game, that trustful game, you know, where you'd go and you'd stand backward and, and you'd fall and people have their, their hands out to catch you, you know, and I'd have people that I, I know love me and I'd still be a little hesitant on leaning back there. Right? Isn't that human nature to just stop? It, it, okay, but so, so it's really going to be okay? Of course it is. Because God loves us. The, 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 the God kind of love, it empowers our faith. Right? Because it does tell us in scripture, faith works by love. And it quenches all fear. And, and again, the God kind of love, it's the unconditional, unselfish, sacrificial love of God. It's the same kind of love when Paul is talking in Ephesians chapter 3. How many know in Ephesians 3 where, where he's praying for the church that we would know the length, the width, the depth, the height of God's love, right? That we would begin to be able to get that revelation and understanding of just how awesome and massive and huge and powerful the love of God is in our lives. And when we have a, a revelation of God's love for us, Personally, it'll transform the way we function. 1 John 4, 18, such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. Isn't that, isn't that true? I mean, of course we know it's true, it's the word, right? But I mean, come on, isn't that just such good, good nugget of truth from, from the word? It's fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. Or maybe, oh, we forgot and we have to be stirred up and reminded. So love overpowers and defeats the lies of fear. It actually then we could say it's a fuel for our faith. And then, you know, we can go back to 1 Corinthians 13 where it, it explains further what the God kind of love is like. So, uh, and, and it says love is patient, love is kind, love is not easily offended. But let me just put it in the context, God is this love. Right? It just says God is love in scripture. So let's put it this way. God is patient and kind. God is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. He does not demand his own way. He's not irritable. He does, he, and he keeps no record of being wronged. He does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. God never gives up. God never loses faith. God is always hopeful and God endures through every circumstance. God never fails. Amen. Amen. So God is letting us know, hey, you know, the antidote here 
to, the, to this fear thing out there. God's not given that to us, so we don't have to be party to it. We don't have to entertain it. We don't have to put up with it, but he's given us power and love. And now let's look at the third one, uh, a disciplined mind, sound mind, self-discipline, depending on which way we see it translated into the English. Our, thought, our thoughts are in alignment with the word of God. He gives the power, the miracle working power. He gives the love that fuels our faith. And then he gives us the discipline of mind so that our thinking can be in alignment with the word of God. Right? Because, you know, as we think, you know, we've got the spirit man, we've got the flesh. And then we got that mind, soul, emotions in the middle here. And whichever one, whichever we're feeding, whichever direction we're feeding that is whether or not we're going to be living carnally or whether or not we're going to be moving in the spirit and, and in the things of God. Actually, um, the, the, this word here, this disciplined mind, it's really made up of two Greek words that really talk about it's save in mind, you know? So we've been given a, sa- you know, a, a, a saved mind. You could, you could put out that way, a sound mind. Control of oneself in face of panic or in, in the face of fear. So what it means then is we're not a slave to our emotions. I, I, w- I was talking to somebody, uh, you know, uh, in, in the lobby uh, from our church here. They work at security over at Great Adventure, and now they have the, the, the Fright Fest thing that's going on where people go to get scared on purpose, which, you know, you have to say there's real brilliance in that, right? You know, that there's not enough out there. But she was just saying, hey, pray, because it can be a hectic time. And she was talking about a situation of somebody who uh, was working there. And, and it, it, this is getting to my point here. When it comes to fear, it can be fight or flight. And that's usually when we move immediately, like I said, seeing through panic eyes, you know, moving into a place of an emotional response. And they were saying one of the workers, you know, uh, just happened on the wrong person and scared the wrong person. And they turned around and clocked them right in the face, you know, and that's because there's, hey, it's, it shouldn't be rocket science to think one of two options is going to happen, fight or flight. You know, somebody's going to run away screaming or somebody's going to turn around and say, let's go, you know, and that's what, what wound up happening. He, here's my point with us here, though. We're, we're not enslaved to that uh, emotional response. You know, when fear, you know, courage is not the absence of, of the feeling of fear trying to work its way out in our life, right? It's making the determination that we're going to move with what God says. So it's that soundness of mind that says, no, it really is going to be okay. God is going to bring us through. Here are his promises. And, and then we, we uh, get all that other stuff out of the way that would be emotion and panic and, and all those things that come with. So um, Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what we see here, watch, read, all of that determines our beliefs. I'm kind of leaning into our thinking like a Christian series a little bit with this, with this thought here. But you know, what we see here, watch, and read determines our beliefs and then ultimately our actions, right? Our beliefs drive our actions. And so let's go back to this idea. So fear and faith operate by the same spiritual law. They occupy the same space in our lives. Two spiritual forces, just like north and south, directions on a compass, but opposite. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? We're told in scripture, fear comes by hearing and hearing 
the contradiction to the word of God. Whether it's something we hear out in the world, something the enemy whispers, whatever it is. So both can cause, here's, here's a sobering thought. Faith comes by hearing, fear comes by hearing. Both can cause that which is unseen to become reality. Right? It's interesting, Job 3.25, it's interesting what Job says here. He says, what I always feared has happened to me. Kind of interesting that, that, that it's laid out that way. What I dreaded has come true. So that's why we don't want to entertain fear. We, don't, you know, we want to recognize that as coming from the enemy and, and dismiss it that way. I, I want to talk about, you know, when we are operating in a place of faith, when we're practicing living and operating in a place of faith, recognizing that his power is at work in our lives, letting his perfect love drive out all fear and, and, and quench it from our lives. And, and then we, we have our mind and our thoughts in alignment, sound mind, self-discipline, self-control in our thinking. Uh, it, it, it makes us, it puts us in a position to do some pretty exciting things for God. And I want to look just, just really briefly. There's so many places in Scripture that we could look at. But there's a cool spot here where Saul's son, Jonathan, just, just takes some steps because he has put fear aside and he has just held on to faith. And he, and, and he kind of has this crazy mini adventure that God blesses because he's stepping out and he's walking in faith. So uh, we're looking at First uh, Samuel verses 13 and 14. Uh, in the background here, so it's the time when Saul is king. Israel is in one of their forever battles uh, with the Philistine army. You know, if we read in scripture, they're just constantly, you know, battling back and forth. And in First Samuel, we'll pick up in verses five and six. It says, the Philistines mustered a mighty army of 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers, and as many warriors as the grains of sand on the seashore. They camped at Michmash east of Bethaven. Uh, the men of Israel saw what a tight spot they were in. And because they were hard pressed by the enemy, they tried to hide in caves and thickets and rocks, holes and cisterns. So, so the Israelites, they're hiding. They're outnumbered. They're outgunned, uh, outhorsed, outcharioted, <laughs> if that's a word. And Saul's men begin to desert him from fear. They literally start going over to the enemy. And when Saul counts the men left, uh, we, we see that there's about 600 people that are left with him. And uh, it also tells us in 1 Samuel uh, 13, a little further on in verses 15 to 22, there was no blacksmiths in the land of Israel at the time as they were persecuted uh, by the Philistines. They, all their weapons were taken away and they weren't allowed to make weapons. Uh, so uh, whenever the Israelites needed to even sharpen their plowshares, their picks, their axes, their sickles for, for farming, they had to take them to a Philistine blacksmith in order to get that done. So, so it was just, uh, you know, Jonathan and Saul uh, that, that had a sword or spear. It tells us that picking up at verse 22. So on the day of the battle, none of the people of Israel had a sword or spear except Saul and Jonathan. If we go into 1 Samuel 14, it says in verse one, one day, Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come on, let's go over where the Philistines have their outpost. But Jonathan did not tell his father what he was doing. Now just keep in mind, his father was like, here's our strategy. Let's hide in wells, hide in caves, hide in thickets. 
you know? So Jonathan says, I'm not going to run this by dad to see if he thinks this is a good idea. Um, But meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men, they're camped on the outskirts of Gibeah around the pomegranate trees at Migron. So a couple of things for us to notice here. Saul was playing not to lose. Fear does that. Right? When we have fear, you you know, it's, it's survival mode. It's playing not to lose. But Jonathan, he's looking at this scenario and he's playing to win, you know? And so uh, he, he's looking at it from an entirely different lens, and it's a faith lens. Faith instructs us to advance, to go on the offensive, right? Remember, it tells us in the New Testament, you, you know, uh, Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell, the defenses of hell, will not prevail against what, 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 is, what is absolutely implied in that, will not will not prevail against the offensive movement of God's church, of God's called out ones. And Jonathan is seeing through these eyes of faith. Fear tells us to retreat, to play defense. Faith instructs us to advance and to play offense. If we look in verse 6, so Jonathan goes on, he says, Let's, so it's him and his armor bearer here, right? Let's go across to the outpost of those pagans. So notice here what's going on in his mind. Those that aren't covenanted with the God of the whole earth, the God of the universe, like we are. We're covenanted with him. They're not. Let's go over to the outpost of those pagans, Jonathan said to his armor bearer. Perhaps the Lord will help us, for nothing can hinder the Lord. He can win a battle, whether he has many warriors or only a few. So he's clearly seeing through a place of faith, seeing through a place of hope. Faith says, what if God would? What if God could? What if God does? Right? How many times do we take the opposite mentality? Well, what if God doesn't? What if I step out and, and God doesn't? That really is, we, we have to see that for what it is. That's fear dictating our decision rather than faith. And then instead of playing to win, we play not to lose. Church, how many know God saved us to win? not to just live this life, not to lose. And that's why the enemy just, he just keeps trying to pull out the stops of just increasing fear and intimidation and all the things that are a part of his tactics. And then Jonathan's attitude, uh, I I pulled this quote from a, a fellow pastor friend. I'd rather fall on my face than sit on my butt. I thought that's a good word. I'd rather step out in faith and fall down on my face than sit back on my butt in fear. In 1 Samuel uh, 14, 7, uh, the armor bearer responds, so, hey, do what you think is best. I'm with you completely, whatever you decide. So we could really preach about, hey, it's good to look at who we have surrounding us, you know? (laughs) You know, uh, the person who finds the problem in every solution, right? Instead of the solution to every problem, right? Faith always sees there's a solution. So the armor bearer chooses to put up a sail and catch the wind rather than drop an anchor and say, I'm not moving, I'm going to stay right here. So sometimes we don't see it ourselves, but the good news is we can ride on the faith of someone else. And, and you want to know what's good? Just like negative stuff is contagious, faith is contagious as well. Amen? So that's good news for us. First uh, Samuel, continuing on here in verse 14, or I'm sorry, chapter 14, verses 8 to 10. So Jonathan responds, all right then. We'll cross over and let them see us. Now, this is not the New Testament Testament means to discern God's will. I just want to throw that out as a disclaimer. I'll pick a scenario. 
And if, God, and if this one happens, it must be God. And if this one happens, it must not be God. We, we have God's Holy Spirit. We got the greater one living on the inside. So he'll bear witness. He'll confirm. He'll speak to us, you know. But nevertheless, Jonathan's just stepping out in faith. All right, I'm going to put my, 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 my believers out, you know, my, my antennas out this way. If they say to us, stay where you are or we'll kill you, then we're going to stop and not go up to them. That's going to be God letting us know, hey, I'm not in this man, stay right where you are. But if they say, come on up and fight, then we'll go up. That'll be the Lord's sign that he will help us defeat them. And here's what Jonathan knew. And church, here's the deal. If we really want to see just a life where we just keep kicking fear out of our lives, Jonathan knew God gets all the glory when the mission is bigger than we are. So we don't have to be afraid to step out and trust him. God's going to get all the glory for it. We don't have to worry about it, and we'll know that, that God is there. There's a movie that I just thought was, it was just a, a sweet movie uh, called We Bought a Zoo. Anybody see the movie We Bought a Zoo? Just, just it, it was cute. Um, and there's a spot in there where, where the dad is talking, and, and he just has this really, uh, this really neat quote. He says, sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Come on, how many walked in altar to receive Christ? Your heart was pounding in your seat. And you took 15 seconds of insane courage to say, I don't know these folks, but I'm getting out of my seat and I'm coming forward because God's tugging on my heart and I'm not, not going to let fear hold me back in my seat. How many had that moment where God is telling you to witness to somebody and you feel, what if they reject me? What if they think I'm crazy? What if I'm way off? What if this, you know, and, and 15 seconds of insane courage and God did something transformational through that moment of obedience. Amen, right? So 1 Samuel 14, 13 to 11, here's what winds up happening. When the Philistines saw them coming, they shouted, look, the Hebrews are crawling out of their holes. Then the men from the outpost shouted to Jonathan, come up here and we'll teach you a lesson. Jonathan looked at his armor bearer and said, you know what that means, right? God's got it. We're going to win. Climb on up right behind me, Jonathan said to the armor bearer, for the Lord will help us defeat them. Verse 13, so they climbed up using both hands and feet. And so, hey, we, we can look at this and recognize faith. I said this earlier, but just this is what we see in, in this little clip of scripture. Faith takes action in spite of contradictory circumstances. Outgunned, outmanned, outcharioted, out everything, you know, that could be of any natural advantage, but God gave them the word, I'm here and I'm in it. And they knew that they could take action because God's going to get all the glory. The greater one was with them and was going to bring them through. How many know it's the same for you and for me? God's promises, God's precepts, his principles, his word for our lives, we can stand on that despite whatever we see going on around us. Jonathan had a weak position. He was completely vulnerable. Something like 10 to 1 they were outnumbered, um, but yet they had stepped out not being moved by, by what they saw. And, and we go on to see, and God did what God does, in that God brought this mighty sweeping victory. Suddenly a panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camps and in the field, including even the outposts and raiding parties. 
So, so you know, God's doing all kinds of stuff, shaking them up uh, in the process here. And then we can go on to verse 20. Then Saul and all his men rushed out to the battle and found the Philistines killing each other. So it got to the point where they literally turned on each other. There was terrible confusion everywhere. Even the Hebrews who had previously gone over to the Philistine army because they were fearful, uh, revolted and joined in with Saul, Jonathan, and the rest of the Israelites. And likewise, the men of Israel who were hiding in the hill country of Ephraim joined the chase when they saw the Philistines running away. So the Lord, the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle continued to rage even beyond Beth Avon. So hey, the smallest steps of faith can, you know, un. Un, what was the word that I used here? Unhinge, open, release God's power. The smallest step of faith. Ephesians 3.20, now to him who was able to, this is in the Amplified, now unto him who was able to carry out his purpose and do superabundantly more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. That's who our God is. So, the word tells us faith is a grain of mustard seed. It's not necessarily the size of our faith. It's the size of the one that we put our faith in. That winds up making it more than enough. Amen. So, hey, uh, Pastor James, I'd love if, if you'd be up for coming up and just kind of just playing in the background a little bit here, just setting a, a worship, worshipful mood for us. So interesting as we're looking at this series, faith hope, and love. You know, when we look back through this last season of time, you know, that we, we've gone through, we look at 2020 in particular, right? And, you know, we, we look at, you know, one of the, the major things. I mean, we had a lot of things come down the road, but probably we could all agree there were three major, major turmoils that went on in this last year that we're still working through. And the first, of course, was the, the pandemic, and so the pandemic comes and, and the response is fear to the pandemic, right? And then you look at, you know, I want to say it was what, what April going into May where, you know, uh, racial injustice, you know, just, just was before the world's eyes. And you see the heartbreak of that. And then you see the, the earthly natural response of, of rioting and, and all of the crazy stuff that came out of that. And, and uh, you, you know, you see anger and hatred on the other side of that major situation that came out. You know, and then you look at the presidential election that was coming down the road and you look at how everything went down there and you look at the despair that so many felt on the other side of everything that went down. Isn't that interesting? Fear, hatred, and despair that would want to eclipse and swallow the church, would want to swallow the, the nominal people out there that maybe know about God but aren't walking with him. And then how about the unsaved that don't have a, a God compass in their life? Fear, anger, and hatred, and despair. And God says, hey, there's three things that are gonna last forever. And isn't it cool how each of those things is the antidote to the biggest mountains and hurdles that came down our road this last year. Faith 
quenches fear, hope quenches despair, and love quenches hatred. I know I went out of order there. Isn't that so cool? He's greater. He's just so much greater. And I know we're, we're, we're a faith crowd. I know that we're, we're, we're a crowd that's got our eyes on Jesus. But I also know that we're, we're walking through the world all week long, aren't we? You know, and we just, just constantly got the, the jabs just coming and just, just you know, trying to, trying to beat, beat away. As part of the reason we've taken the time over this last month on Sundays to be looking at this whole Thinking Like a Christian series. Because if, if we, you know, stay anchored, you know, we could really take what we're talking about on faith, hope, and love and, and really plug that into, hey, this is all thinking like a Christian. You know, but, but for us this evening, as we, as we look at, you know, leaving this place with a fresh sense, I tell you, my, my heart is full that we would be a people that are not given to fear. Come on, how many would be honest enough to say, you carry fear sometimes and you don't even realize you're doing it? I know it to be true because I know I do. I know sometimes I look at it and I say, oh, that's, I'm, I'm, that's fear. I got to kick that out. You know, so sometimes it doesn't announce itself with sweaty palms and beating heart and, you know, that kind of thing. Sometimes it's, uh, I got to look at how I'm behaving. You know, I, I don't think I want to take that step out. I think I want to stay on my butt. Thank you very much. I want to play not to lose. But God has called us beyond that. And I want you to hear it tonight, not in, um, not in our own flesh, not in an effort to please him, but in an effort to steward all that God has given to us in our salvation. In an effort to steward, he has us on the earth for such a time as this. And so, you know, we could, we could very much be in all different places tonight, but you want to know what? I'm getting a growing sense just, just on the inside that for some of us to go away with uh, a revelation of God's powers on the inside. And if I'm walking and not forgetting his love, then it's going to quench and keep fear, those fiery darts of fear out of my life. And, and that if I'm yielded to the Lord and walking with the Lord, his, his spirit on the inside has given me a saved, sound, disciplined mind that's not going to be wavered by the stuff that's going on around me. That could be game changer stuff. Anxiety going away, torment going away. Restless sleep going away, or even our whole approach to God, what do you have for me to bring to the table for you? How many know that's going to look a whole lot different when that's through love eyes as opposed to panic eyes? Would you agree with me that the churches had a tendency of stepping into panic? And by the way, I'm not speaking about any particular position just, just so, you know, as far as, as we've been walking through vaccine, not vaccine, mask, not mask, because I'll tell you, you can feel fear no matter what position you hold. Can you say amen? Come on, can you say amen? Good news is, you know, we can get to a point where it's like, well, are you this or this? And we can be like the angel 
that spoke to Joshua. Are you for us or against us? And the angel's response was, no. Angel's response was, that's not what the conversation should be. Conversation should be the one who is life, the one who is wholeness, the greater one, the one who is salvation, the one who is king of kings and lord of lords wants to be on display in our lives. Amen? So, so there's so many different ways and, and avenues that we could bring application here today. You know, it, it, could, be, it could be things that are, that are not related to current events. It could be current life situation. It could be your personal home situation. It could be on the job. There was a, a bunch of fear that got stirred up as the threat of be vaccinated or terminated got put before people's eyes. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that's light. I'm not saying that's easy. What I'm saying is, oh, isn't it good news that the greater one has given us the capacity where we can quench his fear, or we can quench fear out of our lives and just stay in a place of, nope, the one who is love is in my heart. He's gonna show me the way. He's gonna bring me through. Can you say amen? So let's just respond as we close here. Let's just have a little bit of time of, of just waiting. And, and I would just invite you, I guess, you, you know, really the, I think the question for us to, to pause on for a moment is, you know, are there any places where I've been make, giving way to fear in my life? Are there any places where I've been allowing fear to dictate how I live, what I say, how I think, my behavior, and whether or not I'm living in victory? Maybe we could even look at it this way. How, how much are we living in the reality of the love of God? I think that's one of the biggies that the Lord really wants to drive home tonight, that revelation of his love. We can trust him no matter what. So Holy Spirit, I just pray that in these moments as we just pause, as we're still that you'd speak to our hearts, that you'd reveal Lord, I, I pray for our church family. Lord, we pray, we stand in the gap. Lord, wherever this is application for our own lives, we say yes to walk in a greater revelation of your love. We pray for our church family that as we navigate these days ahead, that we would be so consumed and so filled with your love and a revelation of your love, so aware of your miracle working power that resides in us and walking out that soundness of mind that you've given us. Lord, I pray that you'd bring deliverance from fear wherever it is around our church family. We say, fear, you're found out, you're exposed, you're broken in the name of Jesus. Fear, you are broken in Jesus' name. We speak to the spirit of intimidation. We say you are broken in Jesus' name.
we say to every place where there has been torment, God, we pray that you'd come and heal. We pray throughout our church family, wherever there has been a lens, a fear lens, Lord, that you would just tear that down. Bring awakening, bring awareness. Take the seeds of the word that's been sown in our lives and and let that seed of your word bear fruit so that we would see from your perspective, from your vantage point, God. So I pray, precious spirit, would you just fill each of us here tonight a fresh infilling to overflow. wisdom and discernment and understanding. Thank you, Lord. And I just encourage you now, if there's any place in particular where you'd just want to be telling the Lord, hey, I'm kicking that out or I'm making an adjustment, whatever it would look like for you. just continue to speak to us as we would uh, leave this place. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to, just as Paul prayed, help us to know the length and breadth and depth and height, to just intimately know your love, God. I thank you that it is game-changer stuff. Let it be so in our lives, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Amen. Well, we are wrapped. If there's anybody that uh, wants any personal prayer, we have some of our prayer folks here. We'd be happy to pray with you. And hey, wanted to let you know, we are wrapping up the the Thinking Like a Christian series. Uh, I was studying on both uh, for, for the last several days and I couldn't help. I was starting to lean into it in this sermon tonight, but there's, there's a, a couple of things that we're going we're gonna to be really talking about. Thinking like a Christian for victory in our day-to-day life. So it's kind of going to, a little bit different than what we got into tonight, but it's going to be hitting on the same thing. And uh, just know that, that you know, the, the leaders in this church, the prayer leaders in this church, the pastors, man, we, we, are, we are standing on your behalf behalf, believing God for breakthrough, that we're all living, living out the victory that God called for us in, in this day. I, I really believe that as it, the uglier it gets out there, the more and more 
God wants the world to see what it looks like for those who belong to him. So we're just going to keep going after it and going after it and going after it, growing as disciples, letting God work off the old stuff so that, the, uh, you know, what's new, what's in Christ, what's from faith to faith winds up uh, being what, what works its way out in our life. Little bit less of us, more and more of him, and then the world will see our victory. And they're going to want to know what we have. If, they, if, if, if we've seen them doing that up to this point, we haven't seen anything yet as we truly walk into what God has for us in such a time as this church. You are here for such a time as this. Be encouraged, amen?